Okay, so come to the last two chapters of John's Gospel. And uh, John gives these two chapters over to what we call the resurrection. And um, it's interesting, isn't it? Of course, as we read it, we know the end of the story. <laughs> we know that Jesus rises from the dead. But, but of course, for the people in, this, uh, in the scene here, they had no expectation that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. This was totally unexpected. Even though we know Jesus had told them that this would happen, they'd never uh, understood that. And, and I guess you just don't believe, do you, that somebody can, can come back from the dead? So let's quickly look through these two chapters uh, together. And of course, this is the question for all of us, for, for everyone in a sense, is, is do, we, do we believe the record that the John has given here? Uh, because if what he's written is true, to borrow C.S. Lewis's phrase, it is of infinite importance. If what he's written here is not true, then it is of no importance, not just his book or these chapters, but the whole of Christianity. But if what he's wrote is true and truly happened, then of course there's nothing more significant in the history of humanity. And so we have on that first morning before light, still dark, Mary, and we know in the other gospels, other women, going to the tomb because they they want to show their, their last, uh, uh, their devotion in a sense, with this last act of um, anointing his body with spices. And, um, and, and then we have that wonderful scene, don't we, where uh, Jesus appears, first of all, to, to Mary. And, and, and of course, it's important as we read these, these, these accounts here of Jesus' appearances, that none of these are random. All of these, in a sense, are specific and, and for a reason. I mean, we don't, can't, perhaps can't determine exactly what the reasons were necessarily for all of them. But maybe in the case of Mary, it's because he, he sees just how much this woman loved him. And here she is desperately wanting to do something uh, for him. And of course, she thinks he's the gardener until he says, until he speaks to her, until he says her name, Mary. So intimate, so personal. And then of course he tells her to go and tell the others that is arisen. And then we have this next, from chapter, verse 19 onwards, we have this next appearance of Jesus where the disciples are locked away frightened frightened about what's going to happen to them locked away in this room and Jesus comes among them peace be with you he says and he shows them his hands and his sides which bear the marks from his crucifixion and then he says these terms doesn't he he says Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. 
And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So right here, that, that, that uh, amazing uh, commission, that just as the Father has sent him into the world, they are now to be sent, just like he was sent. But to do this, they would need the work of the Holy Spirit and that anticipation of what happens 50 days later on the day of Pentecost. But of course, Thomas wasn't there. Thomas can't believe that Jesus appeared to them. I mean, I don't know about you, I have some sympathy with Thomas. Would you believe <laughs> that somebody could rise from the dead, you know, and, and you know, so I'm, I'm not so sure that he, it's altogether favorite, but Jesus comes and appears to them again. And, and again, I sometimes wonder whether he appeared here just to, just to meet Thomas, just to show himself to Thomas. And Thomas, of course, makes that wonderful statement in response, my Lord and my God. And then John writes, quotes Jesus's words, because you've seen me, you've believed, but blessed are those who have not yet, who've not seen and yet have believed. And then John adds this footnote, doesn't he? Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So, much more could be written, but John has written enough here, he thinks, to convince people, if they're going to be convinced, that Jesus was the Christ. And through believing that, they might have life, not just a head knowledge, but something that actually will well up in them into eternal life. And then we have this final passage, don't we, in John 21, of the, of the fishing trip. And um, uh, we, I don't know why Peter chooses to go fishing. Uh, uh, we know that I think um, seven of the disciples were fishermen. And um, this is what they were used to. Whether they did this because they didn't know what else to do, we can only speculate. But off they go fishing. And um, I, I suppose I always smile when I read this story or the other the earlier one in Luke chapter five, because they've had a night where they've caught absolutely nothing. And the thing uh, uh, always sticks with me, whenever I was fishing, and I guess this may still be true, when I was fishing, if, if I'd not caught anything, the last thing I wanted was to somebody to come along and ask me what I caught. You know, it was a, a feeling of great shame to say that actually I've, I've not caught anything. Um, used to happen when you're fishing on the sort of you know on the um, in a park pool you'd have these little lads come along asking if you'd caught anything and could they have a look at the fish that you caught so I guess I guess for them as well some embarrassment that this man who's calling out from the bank a hundred yards away or whatever else from the beach rather and he puts it in the negative doesn't he, he says friends haven't you any fish of course, no is the answer. And then again, this strange request, doesn't it, in a sense, well, just throw your net on the other side and you'll find some. 
And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And at that point, John at least, maybe the others too, I don't know, whether it's because they remember what happened uh, when they were first called as disciples, when again Jesus uh, directed them to the fish, uh, John says, it's the Lord. And uh, the next thing is, there they are on the beach, having a barbecue that Jesus has prepared for them. And then finally, of course, the the conversation with Peter, where three times he asks him, do you love me more than these? We don't know what the these are. Quite possibly the other disciples. Remember, it's Peter, isn't it? It's Peter who said that every, though, every, though all the others would des desert Jesus, he would not. He was the one. He was the one who'd stick it out. And of course, he didn't. And three times he denied. And three times Jesus asks him the question, do you love me? And this hurts Peter, doesn't it? He gets really, he gets upset about it. And he says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And the truth was that he did. And Jesus did know that he loved him. And he's given this task, isn't he, of, of being a shepherd a shepherd to others, shepherd perhaps to the other disciples, but a shepherd to those also who would believe in Jesus through their message. And so if I was doing a three-point, if I was doing a three-point sermon, so based on this passage, I would probably have something like believe, be fishing, be caring. Leave, be fishing, be caring. And I think that is because those three things apply to all of us. They'll be worked out in different ways, but each of us is called to believe. And because we believed, we're called to be fishers of men. That means we should all of us want to, in our own different ways, with different opportunities, want to be a a pointer to the Lord Jesus Christ, be a witness to him. And also each of us is called to care for one another. Now I know there are special responsibilities for elders as shepherds of the flock, but in another sense, all of us have a responsibility to care and be caring for each other. And those responses of being fishermen and being caring our natural responses of our believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So right at the end, we realise that it's John who wrote this gospel. And John is testifying to what he himself has seen and heard. This is no third party account. This is his personal experience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And... Uh, he says, you know, if I was to tell you everything, obviously this is uh, hyperbole, but the whole world could not contain the books. If I was to tell you everything that the Lord Jesus Christ did. And um, uh, perhaps in eternity we'll, we'll come to know more of that, I don't know. 
But for now, believe, be fishing, be caring. And Lord, may you help each one of us to, to take that on board.